None of these things move me. None of these things move me. One of the things the devil's always trying to get us in the body of Christ to do is move. But the Bible says in Ephesians 6, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Come on, everybody shout, stand therefore. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, might, and dominion. Uh, That's our battle. But the good news is we've won. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he said, it is finished. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And he said, it is finished. His last words, some of them were, it is finished. What does that mean? Old covenant finished? Yes. My mission finished? Yes. The devil finished? Uh Uh-huh. Jesus got up out of the grave and he appeared to John the Revelator. And he says, I have keys. I have keys to hell and to death, meaning that means it's back in my authority and, and we don't have to go to hell because Jesus went there and he destroyed the works of the devil. Amen. And yet there is an enemy on the earth and he's working very hard because he knows these are his last days. These are his last gasp. And he can't keep you out of heaven, but what he wants you to do is what the apostle Paul was talking about. None of these things move me. I count not my life dear unto myself that I may finish my course with joy, 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 with joy. With joy, with joy, with joy, with joy, with joy, I will finish my course with joy, with joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. With joy. Not just finish my course, but finish it with joy. You know the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know that we rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving what? The end. What did Paul say? He said, I'm going to finish my course with joy. I'm going to finish my course with joy. One of the things the devil tries to do, and especially over these last three years, is to suck the joy out of all of us. But you got to make up your mind that not only is joy a fruit of the Spirit, it's a production of the Word of God. I did find your Word. I did eat it. It was the joy and the rejoicing of my soul. So what's God doing all over the world? Well, one of the things I've seen in the last few months, not just here, but where I've gone, is he does want to freshen everybody up. It's like fluffing your pillow. He wants to fresh it up a little bit. Oh, there's nothing like going to bed on clean sheets. Hallelujah. A good smell of downy. Hallelujah. He wants to fluff you up a little bit. Come on, he wants to, the devil has kind of pounded on you, but you got to decide, I'm going to finish my course with some joy. I'm going to finish, and you know what? That's more up to you than it is up to God. I'm going to, I found his word. I did eat it. It was the joy and the rejoicing of my soul. Joy, 
Hallelujah. Laughter does good like a medicine. You got something going on in your soul? Laugh about it. You got something going on in your body and the devil try to do stuff to you? Ha, 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 ha. And no, I mean ha, ha. Mm. Ha, 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 ha. Mm. Ha, ha, ha. Mm. Ha, 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 ha. I've been down this road before and I said, ha, ha. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm well. I'm strong in the Lord and the power is might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me that's in the world. No weapon formed against me, you'll prosper. Hallelujah. Come on, we got to make up our mind. We're living in the last days and the enemy is defeated. Jesus has destroyed his work. We're not fighting really against the devil anymore. What? No, we're not fighting against the devil anymore. Our fight is to stay in faith. We wrestle, but you got to even think when I wrestle, though, I'm fighting. Yes, you're speaking against the devil. You're speaking the word and mountains are moving. But really your fight is to get into rest, is to get into faith. Because Jesus has already destroyed the works of the devil. The war has been won. We have victory. Victoria in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Or as we'd say in Alabama, victory in Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I have victory. Do you have victory? Yes. Are you trying to get your victory or are you maintaining your victory? Maintain Amen. You can get it, but you got to maintain it. Amen. Amen. So um, I didn't give him a chance to prepare. <laughs> just because that's just how I am. So we had a fearless leader. He was amazing. Hallelujah. (gasps) Y'all listen. One night in the Holy Ghost. We had such a good time. One night in the Holy Ghost, your pastor in Spanish rapped. It happened. It's on tape. It's crazy. It's crazy. Reminded that time we were in Kentucky and I had a spiritual song to bluegrass music. It was crazy. And as soon as I got done, I got out of the spirit. I said, Candace, tell Daniel I rapped. <laughs> Where is he? Daniel's going to come. Just share the word. Share some things on your heart. Uh, there's a timer right there. Hallelujah. God, just want to say it was such an honor to be a part of the conference. Um, just to, to see the work that God is doing through our pastors and through the, the Bible Institute and other nations of the world and to be a part of it. And so um, having the opportunity to share was a, a great honor and a great blessing. What the Lord put on my heart to share was about faith and it pretty much what Pastor was just saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> but really just to, to see and encourage and strengthen because we are in the fight of faith. Yeah. That's yeah. when we believed we confess Jesus. We confess that he was the son of God. We believe that he died for our sins, that he was raised from the, get, from the dead, and he's seated in heavenly places. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. So that's the life that we live. The just shall live by faith. Faith is a lifestyle. And so I just took the opportunity to encourage and, and, and use the word of God because that's the foundation of our faith. Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I also made them aware that we have an adversary. Uh, the Satan, 
the devil, he, he don't like you. <laughs> he want to take you out. So you need to be ready to fight the good fight of faith. You need to be ready to resist him. The Bible talk about the whole armor of God and the word of God, the sword of the spirit. And even the word working in our lives, how it, it pierced to the dividing of soul and spirit. And so things that we need to deal with, we could take the word and apply it to our life and get the results that God said we would have. Um, I also minister about the Holy Spirit, how God, how Jesus said that I was send a promise of my father to you and he would be your helper. And how we supposed to lean on the Holy Spirit and, and how we supposed to walk out this life in victory with the Holy Spirit. So we had a number of people to get filled during one service. Um, we, we prayed for them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the, some of the messages continue to build on that. Um, I had the opportunity to share also with the youth. Um, with the youth, I ministered to them about their identity. Uh, I recently released a book called Identify, and I had the opportunity to translate it into Spanish before going on the trip. And so I took 70 copies, and I didn't come back with any. So, <laughs> But... Each, each service built on top of each other, even uh, from in the day conference and in the youth. But with the youth, uh, when we did get a chance to pray one-on-one -on -one with them, uh, the Spirit really restrained me till Friday, the last day, before we prayed one-on-one -on -one with them. Miss Lorraine was with me on that night. But the things that they was talking about that they needed prayer for, well, the message that the Lord gave me was about oppression things that harass you and you being free um, because you are a child of God. He, he wants you to live free. You have victory in Jesus name because you in him. And a lot of the young people was dealing with stuff like depression and, and oppression. And we prayed with like 30 young people that night. Mr. I, I, it was like 30 young people and a youth group. I just shared a testimony. The, Whole week it was like 15 to 20 students or young people. But on Friday, a whole youth group came. And so the numbers doubled in one night. <laughs> and every, every one of them received something that night. Um, so I just give glory to God for having the chance to, um, this was my first time being able uh, to train a team and then lead. And so I leaned on the Lord for a lot of grace. And I'm grateful for my team members, my pastors and team members for um, the honor. So, What the Lord gave me when I was there was to minister to them about their place of grace. For them each to recognize that God had called them to a certain body part for the body of Christ. And so me being a pastor, a new pastor, uh, since last July, I went for the first time, the first trip in my new office. And so uh, me being a natural cheerleader, me being a natural encourager, me being a natural trainer, uh, the Lord just gave me something that I could identify with in order to let them know that whatever part of the body they were in was important. Did you hear me? 
Whatever part of the body you enter is important. I remember when uh, I shared stories with them, like things of when I came here and I was to come to get mentored with Pastor Mark and Rhonda and get trained and equipped to do the work of the ministry. And I remember sitting in my seat on a Wednesday night, and I was like, Lord, this didn't go like what I thought it would go. How am I supposed to do this, and how am I supposed to do that? And he spoke to me, and he said, you got equipped. You got trained. You got mentored. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, you've gleaned from them sitting in that seat the whole time. Time here is never wasted. And that's exactly what I told them. I said, your time in your, under your pastor is important. The pastor that, they call, that you're called to is important. If you're in a certain church and you're under a certain pastor, then you need to find out what your place is in that body and you need to plug in. Why? Because you're the stabilizer for the work. You're the stabilizer. See, they can't do it without you. We can't do what we do in Indiana without the people in the ministry of helps. But what I told them is, is that, you know what, in the body of Christ, and I think this is the way it is, everybody glorifies this. Come on now, they do. They glorify this, this position. Oh, because you're seen and it's the greatest thing ever. Well, I got news for you. It's a whole lot more responsibility being in there than it was here working with school of ministry or, or working at the information desk. But one of the things that I learned was that when I got there, I stepped over into a different grace to be able to flow in my place and minister to people as a pastor. You know, one of the things that I told them, the word says that, you know, you're to magnify the gift in you. And it also tells you not to think more highly of your gift than you ought, but you ought to think something of it. See what people are doing. I tell you what they're doing. They get in. This is exactly, this is what I told them, okay? I told them, I says, what you're doing is you look at it and you think it's insignificant. God don't see it that way. God sees every gift of the body necessary. Every part of the body is necessary. You know, there's grace to us. There's grace to get saved. There's grace to get born again and get healed and all of that. But there is grace in you. There's an anointing in you. You know what? And I told them this. That doesn't mean that every pastor is going to look the same. They pastor one way. We pastor a different way. Do we have similarities? Yes. Are there gifts and graces that come with being a pastor? Yes. But how we facilitate that is different. So you can't look at whoever's ushering and you got 20 ushers and all of you are going to usher the people the same way. Now you better follow rules and regulations. I told them that. You better follow rules and regulations. You better follow how the Holy Ghost tells them to do it and how it's orchestrated. Because in all reality, I told them, the way you're going to honor your gift is by honoring God, by doing it the way that the head of the ministry tells you to do it. There's order. There's submission. It's God. It's the pastor. And then it's us. We all know pastors teach you submission is not agreement. I told them this, and I'll tell them this. I can say in the 26 years, I didn't agree with everything. Not doctrinally. I would have done some things different. Why? Because I would have administrated it differently. But guess what? It wasn't my work. I'm not accountable for Cornerstone Word of Life Church. I'm a, I am accountable for Faith Outreach Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. And when they come and they visit the church and they minister, they don't try to make faith outreach cornerstone word of life church. It takes every part of the body. Every part of the body. 
And I prayed for them on the last day. Well, the Lord told me a few days before that I needed to pray for them. And I said, Lord, I said, what do I, you know, how do you want me to pray? And he said, I want you to separate them among their company. And I said, what does that mean? He said, separate them among, by their church, by their pastor, and tell them all to sit together. So I did. I told them the day before. I said, you're going to get prayed for tomorrow. And I said, and when you come in, I said, you're going to sit according to the church that you're with, and you're going to sit with whoever your pastor is, and then somebody tell me who, who you are and who your pastor is, and we're going to pray for you, and we're going to pray for the grace that you have, and we're going to bring, pray that you bring the supply that God has ordained you to bring, because if it's necessary, it's necessary. We get in our little minds and we just think, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will show up at 8.15 on a Sunday morning. Let them do it. So I did. I prayed. And I am telling you, (laughs) it was so exciting to me to see how hungry they were to get in their place. To be a servant. We're all servants. We're servants. Pastors are just like you. We're a servant unto God and all about the people and all about people, 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 people. And the final thing I'll say is this. The Lord talked to them about faithfulness. The first thing you're supposed to do is be faithful to your call. See, I pray over my, my ministry of helps people in our church, and I pray they make full proof of their ministry just like I pray that I make full proof of mine because there's gifts and graces there. And so I taught them that they needed to be faithful, whatever it was. If they need to make adjustments in that, if they had just kind of laid it aside and just did it however kind of way they want it and they didn't follow rules, they needed to adjust it because in that there would be a blessing for them. And I believe you get more grace as you do it as according to the way the Lord says do it. The grace increases. But the second thing I told them is that God is faithful. So if he's called you to a place and he's given you grace, to, whether it's to usher, it's info, it's, it's cameras, it's children, it's youth, it's uh, translation in Spanish, whatever it is here. If you'll just do what he said, he'll be faithful to make sure it goes exactly the way he gifted you. The way he gifted you. The way he gifted you. Amen? Kimberly and I started a hashtag. Hashtag preach like a girl. <laughs> we had a good time, yes. Um, let me first say it was an honor to represent Cornerstone in the nations, and it was an honor to represent our pastors. They are not only respected in this nation, they are respected in the nations. And it was an honor to get to go. So um, probably for the last six or eight months, the Lord has been having me immerse myself in the topic of covenant. And I did not know that what he had coming, that this is just what I have been, what I've been studying on. And then in November, when the Lord told me I was supposed to go to the next Chile trip, I didn't know there was a trip planned. And then two days later, Pastor Belinda called and apparently there was a trip planned. And I said, well, apparently I'm supposed to go. 
And God said, and you're going to teach covenant the whole time you're there. So I taught seven sessions on covenant, and I could go for another seven. Let me give you a little bit, and let's see if we can get this out. Okay, did you know the Hebrew word for the love of God is hesed? H-E-S-E-D. If you're not familiar with that word, get ready. It is the word. It's, it's, it's packed full of meaning. So sometimes our translators translate it in the Old Testament as goodness, God's goodness. Sometimes they translate it faithfulness. Sometimes it's translated loving kindness. Sometimes it's translated kindly. But all those words encompass the word hesed. It is always connected to covenant. It is the kind of covenant love, the closest thing we have to it in the New Testament is agape. But it's the kind of covenant love where God has removed the option to abandon you. He has chosen to obligate himself to you, to vow himself to you, to his own hurt. And the only way covenant can be broken is if somebody dies. It's the kind of covenant that says, I'm not giving up. It's the kind of covenant that says, I'm chasing you down even when you're running away. It's the kind of covenant that says, even when you're acting a fool, I'm right here and I'm committed to you. When you see this word is actually, it actually appears 241 times or 51 in the Old Testament. 251 times. Uh, So what I've done is I've gotten a blue crayon. Crayons are the best thing to write in your Bible with because it doesn't bleed through. So go get you some Crayola. I've got a blue one, and I'm going through. It's uh, the Hebrew word uh, number 2617 in your Strong's Concordance. I'm highlighting with my blue crayon every time hesed appears. So it's loving kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Let me tell you a couple of places in the word where it shows up. You know the part where Moses and his people had just crossed the Red Sea? and Pharaoh has changed his mind and is coming after them. Has your past ever tried to run back behind you and catch up with you? Guess what God did? When when that past was chasing you down, the Red Sea Covenant swallowed it up. And you see, when they're praising God for what he did, Hesed shows up. The word Hesed also shows up when Ruth is committed to Naomi where she says, where um, she's faithful, she doesn't leave Naomi. And then even in her choices for who she pursued as a husband, Naomi looks at her and said, nobody has ever shown me hesed like this. Where I'm committed to your good over my good. This is the kind of love that you are loved with. And I didn't look at the time when I got started last thing. We also studied about covenant headship. This blew my mind when I learned this. I have grown up in the word. I've grown up hearing the term in Christ, but I learned what it meant at a deeper level when I started studying covenant. Okay, so you know the story about David and Goliath. This was a covenant culture, and they understood that when when Goliath came out and said, send me a man, he was saying, I represent all of the Philistines. I am the headship over them. Israelites, you send me a man to represent you. It was understood that all of the Philistines were in Goliath. It was understood that all of Israel was in David. And whichever one won of the representative party, it was the same as their people winning. So when David killed Goliath, all of Israel was in him. When the word says that you're in Christ... Whoa! That means Christ's victory is your victory. 
when Christ died, you died. But when Christ raised up, you raised up. And it's because of covenant. So the next time you're facing something in your life that smells like hell, and that's not a bad word because I'm talking about the place. If it smells of destruction, it smells of the curse. I want you to come at it from your covenant place. And something the Lord also taught me through this is he said, Laura, quit having faith in your faith. I was like, what does that even mean? He said, your faith has got to be anchored in something other than yourself. So your faith is not in your own ability to do confessions. Your faith is not in your own ability to be perfect in carrying out the word. You can't be perfect enough for the word to work. Jesus is perfect enough for the word to work because he is the word. So have faith in Jesus. My faith is in his perfection. My faith is in his faithfulness. My faith is in his goodness. My faith is in his loving kindness. And my faith is in the fact that he's never going to give up on me. Which leads me into my part. I believe with all my heart in this last days, God is raising up a a company of women who know who they are, who know who their God is. They're anointed, they're appointed, and they're going to take their place in this final hour. Glory to God. Not over the men, but hand in hand, the way God created it to be in the garden. When God created men and women, he created them to stand face to face, hand in hand, ruling over the earth. Glory to God. Until the devil got in there and messed it up. Can I use you? Can you two come here a minute? You can be my volunteers, my victims. (laughs) When the Bible says God created a help meet, that word help is used 21 times in the old covenant. Twice in that one chapter regarding Eve to Adam. Three times it was when Israel got in trouble and they called on an army greater than themselves to come and help or come and rescue them. Listen, if you need help, you're not going to ask somebody inferior. You're going to ask somebody stronger than you. I'm in trouble. Come get me out of this. 17 other times in the Old Testament, that word help or helper refers to God himself as our helper. So there is no way that a helper is someone who hands somebody else tools and doesn't know what they're doing. No, a help is a strength. A help. A help meet for him. That word meet means to stand face to face, stand face to face. She was drawn out from him to be his easer, to be his help, to stand by him, to give him strength, to fight with him, to fight for him, that together, hand in hand, they would rule and reign over the earth. The Old Testament in the Torah, it says it's this way. I need a little space. A little more. Join hands over me. I'm the earth. That's the picture. That's the picture. 
Go ahead, you can sit down. That's what God intended before Satan got in there and messed it up. That hand in hand, they would each add their strength to each other, back to back. They got each other's back, fighting together. Not men over women, not women over men. We were together, fighting together. I believe with all my heart, in these last days, God is raising up a company of women who are not going to be intimidated. Is it legal for women to minister? I spent 10 hours explaining why it was. Glory to God. I'm going to do it in here someday. But when the scripture says, if a woman would learn anything, let her ask her husband at home. I don't permit a woman to speak. Number one, that word, if a woman wants to learn, it didn't say if a woman wanted to teach. So the problem wasn't the way that some poor woman wanted to teach. The problem was something in the way the women were learning that was disruptive to the service. They'd never been allowed in church. Listen, if you, if you really study it out, Paul is not against women ministers. He is a champion of women ministers. He let them come to church. And not only that, he let them use their gifts. And all through the New Testament, he acknowledged women ministers and their contributions. There was something, though, he said, you know, when a woman stands to pray in church or when a woman stands to prophesy, she's to do it this way. But you know what? He let them preach. He let them pray. He let them share. If any would use their gifts, if you go through the qualifications for the ministry, it's all gender neutral. Our King James Version says, if a man desires the office of a bishop. The real in the Greek, look it up, says if anybody desires the office of a bishop. I, listen, when, I, when the Lord told me to study that out, he is so good to me. He would say things to me. I'd have to look it up to see if it was so. I'm not even kidding. Listen, God is raising up women to take their place. Not to take a man's place, but to take our place. So that hand in hand, we can rule and reign. Do you see how sneaky? Oh. How is it? How is it that women have ended up the way they have? Because in the Garden of Eden, God said to the snake, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. Number two, if he can eliminate women, make them sit down, shut up, and don't do anything for God, he's eliminated 50% of the workforce. He is smart. He's smart. In this last day, he's raising up a company of women, not to rule over men, but to join them, stand with them face to face, hand in hand, ruling and reigning over the earth, taking their place. Listen, I created a class for school of ministry on women in ministry. My call was so supernatural, I never doubted it. I never studied it because I, I was called so supernaturally. Listen, I tried to talk him out of calling me. I did. I said, you don't want me? Go get find somebody else. 
That's what I said to Pastor Mark when he asked me to marry him too, but that's another story. <laughs> God's answer was the same as Pastor Mark's. Ain't no way. <sighs> anyway, I'm digressing and I don't want to digress. I didn't want to be called. But some of you women, I had women come to me and say, Pastor Rhonda, you know, I, I believe I'm called to the ministry, but I know, what, I, I know what I've been taught the word says. So I studied it out. You know what? Rick Renner's a Greek scholar. I handed him my classes, and I said, critique me. Any place. Is that brave? Am I brave or what? <laughs> I said, any place where I have not accurately portrayed the original meaning of the words, or if I've twisted it in any way, or if there's anything in here that's doctrinally not sound and not with the original language, I am tell I'm asking you, please, critique me. He handed it back. He said, Rhonda, this is great. This is fabulous. Matter of fact, he said, can I keep a copy? And I was thinking, yes, but if you write your book before I write mine, you're in trouble. <laughs> he is a prolific writer. Um, anyway, okay. Uh, anyway, so then Wednesday night, he had me do a version of my open door sermon. And, uh, you know, it, it yeah. We had church. So much so that one of my demons got so excited, he ran. <laughs> and they're like, Pastor Rhonda, even the demons are running at your sermons. <laughs> so then I was able to ask the, the pastors. I was doing the pastor's conference. The next day, I asked them in. Did you sense any anointing last night? Now, listen, the service went nuts. Everybody went crazy, you know. Uh, and I said, did you sense any anointing last night at all? And they're like, Phew. I'm like, would God anoint something he didn't approve of? Amen. Here at the church, I've had men come up to me and say, I, I'm visiting here and I don't believe in women ministers, but I can't argue with the anointing on your life. Amen. One man got healed in Ann Durant's meeting and he was freaked out. <laughs> he was like, I don't believe in women ministers. And that woman, she, God used her to heal me. You're going to have to explain this to me. Psalm 68, 11. Uh, put it in the King James first. Just real quick, real quick, real quick. I'm hurrying. Psalm 68, 11. 68, 11. <laughs> They're probably up there going. <laughs> the Lord gave the word, and great was the company of those that published it. You just, I mean, I love the King James Version. It's been around since 1611, stood the test of time. But the problem sometimes with the King James has been around since 1611. Put this in the Amplified Classic. The Lord gives the word of power, and the women who bear and publish the news are a great host. How many of you know that didn't get in the King James? Put it in the Young's Literal Translation. Do you have the YLT up there? I hope you do. It, YLT, ha-ha. This is a word-for-word -word translation from the Hebrew. The Lord doth give the saying, and the female proclaimers are a numerous host. Now, Billy Brim says she's talked to a number of rabbis in Israel, and they all agree that this is prophetic of the last days. 
Glory to God. It's prophetic of the last days. And I'll tell you, we know. I, I want to go so many different directions. I don't know where to go. In the last days, God is raising up women to stand hand in hand, face to face. We have each other's back, the husband and wife. We're a team fighting for each other, working together, reaping the harvest, getting the last day's job done so that Jesus can return to the earth. But also, when I preached on the open door here, the Lord emphasized that he told us the way through the open door this year was rejoicing, was rejoicing, was rejoicing. So we need to continue to do that. It is the way through the open door. I'll tell you, when Chuck Yeager in 1947 was trying to break the sound barrier, uh, you know, he, he, somebody had tried before him. And every time they got almost to that point where they were fast enough to go faster than the speed of sound, their, 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 their airplanes would shake so violently. Their airplanes would shake so violently that they were afraid they were going to fly apart. And so they backed off. In 1947, Chuck Yeager said, I'm going through. If it costs me my life, I'm going through. And so he, as he approached the, the speed of sound, that shaking began in his airplane. And he didn't know if he was going to live or die. But this he knew he was going through. If it was humanly possible, he was going through. Well, you know what? He broke that sound barrier. Boom, he went through. And the moment he went through, on the other side, it all was peace and calm, even though he was going supersonic speed. Listen, you got to get through the door. You got to get through the door. Don't let his admonition to us that rejoicing is going to get us through the door be too simple. No, it has to be harder than that. It has to be harder than that. God's got to require some big thing of me. No, he's saying the way to get through the door is to rejoice, is to rejoice. And to rejoice is a choice. To rejoice is a choice. To rejoice is a choice. Glory to God. So let's make the choice. Let's make the choice. Glory to God. Woo! Glory! We're glory! We're going through. We're going through. We're going through. We're going through that door. We're going through that door. Glory to God. Because we want what's on the other side. Glory to God. Peace. Calm. Victory. Glory to God. The Lord said, Pastor Mark and I, you're going to run faster than you've ever run, but I'm taking away the hurdles. I mean, you can run so fast when there's hurdles. You understand? All this time we've been running and because we told him, we said, we thought we were running. <laughs> but you have to run and then jump over a hurdle. I did the right form. That was not good, but you understand. <laughs> anyway. He's removing the hurdles. So we can run. So we can run. You get through the door by rejoicing. And men and women, together, yes. we're going to do this thing.